This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 540. Can you stop investing when you hit your retirement number? Part two by Jason Hull with ptmoney.com. And I'm your host and narrator here on the program. My name is Dan and I'm here each Monday through Friday reading to you from some of the best personal finance blogs on the planet. Today's post is actually a continuation from yesterday. It comes from a contributor on PT Money. So if you're new here, it would be best to listen to yesterday's episode first. It also does get a bit into the weeds in terms of numbers, but you should stick with it because it's definitely worth it. And with that, let's hear part two of our post and continue optimizing your life. Can you stop investing when you hit your retirement number? Part two by Jason Hull with ptmoney.com. What are your options if you've hit the retirement number, but you're not retirement age? There's an inherent problem with hitting the number, but not yet being at the age to take advantage of the number. You still have to support yourself between now and the time you reach that number. Oh, for time travel. There are three options for what to do with your investment money, each with its pros and cons. One, continue to scroll away for the future in your retirement accounts. The strongest case for this one is if you have an employer matching contribution. There's nothing in the world like free money, and it's a guaranteed return on your investment right off the bat. Pros, you continue to decrease the probability that you'll run out of money during retirement. While you can't ever get to a 0% chance of running out of money in retirement, you can continue to make that number approach zero as you contribute more. You can increase your standard of living in retirement. If you've always wanted to take that cruise around the world or to buy a beach house in retirement, then continuing to sock away money will give you the financial flexibility and freedom to do just that. Cons. You still can't get to that money until you reach the retirement age specified in the retirement plan. Depending on just how much money you make, you may be making trade-offs between now and the future if you're making an either-or decision on your investment capital. Another con is that you may never be able to spend all that money. That might be fine if you want to leave a large inheritance for benefactors, but studies show that as we age, our spending decreases. Very few 110-year-olds are traveling much no matter how much they want to do it. It's just not physically possible. They also don't eat much either. Both their needs as well as their physical ability to do things is quite limited. Therefore, their income requirements are much less than their younger counterparts. Two, sock away money in taxable accounts. Invest in standard brokerage accounts, investment real estate, your own business, whatever. There are no tax benefits to the investments. Therefore, there are no tax penalties for withdrawing the money whenever you want to either. Pros, you improve your chances of retiring earlier. If you have enough money in taxable investments set aside to meet your living requirements until you reach the age that you can tap into your retirement accounts without paying penalties, then you get to retire. Woohoo! Also, you'll want investments in taxable accounts for tax organization when you retire. The how and why of this topic is beyond the scope of this article, but there are tax reasons for having money allocated to taxable and tax-advantaged accounts when you're retired. Cons. You can never be sure that you have enough to retire, so you're taking a smallish risk that your retirement accounts will be of a sufficient size by the time you reach your retirement age. This isn't as big of a risk as not investing at all, as all you're doing is paying taxes now when you could be using that money to invest and defer taxes, but it does create some risk. Also, you may be encouraged to take inappropriately risky investments. Again, this won't happen to a large degree, but our limbic systems will create a separate mental bucket for these investments, and we may end up convincing ourselves to swing for the fences with this money investing in pork snout futures, or your brother's can't-miss deli in southwestern Antarctica. Three, increase lifestyle now. You've got the money, so live a little. Pros, 
You've been working hard all of your life, so now you get to enjoy some of the benefits. Have you been wearing the same taped up shoes for the past 14 years? Time to get some new threads. Welcome to the world of HDTV. No more ramen. Another pro is that present fun means more to monkey brain than future fun. Since you're not going to have to scrimp and save and scrimp and save, monkey brain will get off your back about never being able to have any pleasure. The lack of rattling from his cage in the middle of the night will mean you get to sleep more soundly. Cons. The increase in lifestyle means that you'll have to increase your retirement number. When we increase our lifestyle, we undergo a transformation called hedonic adaptation. Soon, steak tastes like chicken, and we're left wanting lobster and caviar. When we retire, we're surely not going to want to have to dial down our lifestyles. Therefore, we need more money in the retirement accounts to account for this increase. Another con is that we can never get back the opportunity to invest. Compounding is one of the most powerful factors in the universe. The older you get, the more you have to save to get to the same target point. If we wind up needing more money later, we'll rue the day that we decided to go buy that 183-inch flat-screen television. I also wanted to look at what happened to people who have contributed enough to be on pace for appropriate retirement savings if they quit saving or if they kept saving. So I created a Monte Carlo simulation that evaluated 10,000 potential futures. Since we know that it's impossible to create the unified formula of financial planning to account for stock and bond market returns and inflation, I used Monte Carlo simulations, which create random futures based on historical ranges. In this case, I used the annual stock market returns from 1871 to 2012, ranging from minus 44.2% to plus 56.79%, with a median of 10.5%. Corporate bond returns since 1919, ranging from 2.54% to 15.18%, with a median of 5.2%, and inflation rates since 1914 ranging from negative 10.5% to 18%, with a median of 2.8%. I assumed that P.T. was 40 and that he would retire at age 60, and at retirement, he and Mrs. P.T. would draw enough in Social Security to pay for half of their expenses at the time. I assumed that their monthly expenses in today's dollars were $4,549.94, making their target number $2.5 million. I also assumed that they were invested 60% in equities and 40% in bonds and would remain so throughout life. Not necessarily the best suggestion, mind you, but I did it for ease of calculations. If we assume a compound average growth rate of 7.5%, then in order to have enough set aside to be able to stop investing and reach the $2.5 million target number by age 60, the family PT would need to have $588,532.87 set aside by age 40 so I assumed that they had that much. I also assumed that the family PT kept working until age 60, and that they earned enough to contribute 0 to 16% of their income per year, and income and expenses rose with inflation. Once they reached age 60, they quit and lived off their investments until age 67, when Social Security kicked in. How did they do? You can see a graph on this post that shows the median net worth and success rate. The reason I chose median value is because high results skew the overall average. I wanted to see where the family PT would most likely be, and median numbers show the case where 50% of the results were above that number and 50% of the results were below that number. When looking at the net worth distribution for saving 0%, there are some great outcomes, but the results are bunched between 0 and 8 million. When I run these models for clients, I recommend that if there is a 90% success rate or higher with the plan, they can run with it and change the plan later on if results aren't meeting their expectation. In PT's case, the right answer is probably a mix of all three of the options above. He can increase his lifestyle a little, 
bump up the retirement savings to account for the increased lifestyle expectations and save some in taxable investments to try to reduce the magical retirement age. You just listened to part two of the post titled, Can You Stop Investing When You Hit Your Retirement Number? by Jason Hull with ptmoney.com. And if you did get a little bit lost there listening to this, the graphs in the post can help clarify things. And you can find the link to this article in this episode's description in your podcast app or at oldpodcast.com. And that's it for our 540th episode of Optimal Finance Daily. Thanks as always for your support and for listening each and every day. I'll be back with more posts for you next week. So have a great weekend and I'll catch you on Monday where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this podcast, but also Optimal Living Daily, the show where I read to you from even more blogs covering finance, productivity, minimalism, personal development, and more from incredible bloggers like Derek Sivers, Zen Habits, Mark and Angel, The Minimalists, and all the ones you hear on this show too. So if you enjoyed today's episode and like taking amazing blogs on the go, come on over to Optimal Living Daily and subscribe to that one too. And together, we'll start optimizing your life. You've been listening to Optimal Finance Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.